Welcome back, episode 32, solo today. Chris, partner in crime, is uh, actually not too sure where. I haven't actually had a lot of time to uh, catch up. Been a bit of a busy week, busy training, busy working at the moment. Um, Anyway, a few interesting things going on, but wanted to talk about a couple of things that I've been thinking about a lot recently and one is to do with particularly relating to men but uh, our ego and our ego getting in the way particularly around training and as a sprinter and a sprint coach I saw this over many years um, and had to try and manage many egos as well but you know I still find and sit and think about it all the time because it affects me personally and many other people around me and um, one of the things where I you know being completely open still affects me is as I've started to get a little bit older a couple of injuries a bit of a niggly back um, and I used to pride myself on my strength and obviously over the years my strength has started to get um, less and less and you want to be able to keep you know that appearance up and in your own mind you know your strength up and I was a quite a good squatter and quite a good bench presser and um, squats just tend to fatigue my old back a lot now and I know there's so many alternative exercises and Chris is a great one here Chris has basically given away squatting or any heavy squatting a long time ago and does a variation of exercises to keep his legs still in good shape for running but he does as he would say you know he would um, say uh, low risk exercises and high reward. You know, he doesn't actually deadlift, he doesn't squat, any of those exercises that if you're not truly conditioned to, and I'm not suggesting for one moment they're bad exercises at all. Absolutely love them. And if you can do them, I would program them into my programs and recommend them to people all the time. I think both squatting and deadlifting, though, you need to have a coach and you need to really learn the technique because there is a lot to the setup and there's a lot to you know, becoming good at those exercises. But even a lot of other exercises, you know, overhead press doesn't really agree with me anymore. I can use a dumbbell, I've got to turn my palms in. Um, you know, so there's just a few things that I've had to make adjustments on as I've got older. Um, but it's hard, it's hard to give up and, you know, your ego does get in the way. And uh, really interesting, you know, getting back to longer running, coming from a sprint background, I've run a couple of 10-kilometer runs since I've been doing some endurance stuff again. For those of you out there probably laughing, um, yes, it's not very far, but it's a long way for me when you've been a sprinter your entire life. But I expected that fitness to come back very quickly. And interesting enough, the moment I go over a certain speed, my runs, my heart rate just skyrockets and I can't get my heart rate down and I've been reading a lot recently about you know heart rate training you know and monitoring my data more closely we've got good access to data now with the watch I have an aura ring and my HRV overnight um, and that has actually been trending in the right direction I will say it's actually um, going up all the time and the better sleep I get the better my HRV is for sure but my heart rate, and, and one of the things I read the other day, you know, is this garbage zone that we can sometimes fool ourselves to sit in, um, you know, unless you're doing sort of high zone four, zone five work, VO2 max work, um, 
or you're doing your long, slow cardio work, you know, that zone two work, the stuff in the middle, I'm not saying it doesn't have any value, but there's a lot of data and a lot of, you know, much smarter people than me out there saying that too many people spend too much time in this garbage zone. And interesting enough, I find myself stuck in that zone all the time. To, to run in zone two, I virtually can't. I've got to basically walk. Um, I can now cycle quite comfortably in zone two, stationary bike predominantly. Um, otherwise, I find myself in this zone three, zone four sort of heart rate space all the time. And I probably haven't done enough of the VO2 max work. However, you know, as a track runner, I was probably either anaerobic or VO2 max all the time. So, yeah, I'm trying to even on my easy days and I'm following, which has been amazing and fantastic for me, one of the Garmin coaching programs on my go and watch. Um, I don't know if Apple actually do that. I've been trying to find one of those for my uh, my girlfriend and um, I haven't been able to obtain a, a good Apple program for her for a watch. But the Garmin has, you know, great coaching programs and I've found it invaluable. And even though I pride myself on writing, you know, relatively good programs and but just following along on the Garmin 10K app um, on my watch has been great. But my easy days, you know, going out my easy longer days, 45 minutes to an hour, um, I still find my heart rate spiking too much. So one of the things I've reverted back to, although Garmin don't really suggest this in their coaching program, they don't not suggest to do it, but I've been on that easy day to keep, try and keep under a certain heart rate, I'm now just walking more. So basically, as soon as I see my heart rate start to spike, particularly if I've got, I've got to run a hill or if I run in the heat, some days it's been quite hot in Sydney this summer and the humidity, then my heart rate just starts to drift up. And now I just take that 100-meter walk and very quickly my heart rate comes back down and I'm able to you know, run for the next five or 10 minutes in that comfortable zone again. So, But that was a big adjustment. I thought I was going, going to get back to this really high level of fitness quite quickly. Um, and it's taken much longer than I, than I anticipated and I suppose I wanted it to. But now I've settled into a really nice rhythm and I have to say I'm really enjoying the process. I'm going through that just enjoy the journey. Um, I've got enough fitness where I can actually go out and have a reasonable run, even though, as always, we wanted to go a little bit faster. But as we often think, you know, when you get to the end game, what's next? I always reflect on something that someone told me in the mountains. He was an 89-year-old skier. I hopped on the chairlift with him one day, and I was still in that intermediate stage. For those of you who don't know, I lived the last seven years in the US, and three of those years I spent living in Colorado at a ski resort. So I got to ski a lot of days. Um, I'll never be a great skier. started later in life, but I've definitely become a proficient skier. Um, by just putting in the time on the mountain and you know same same you just got to go and put that time and effort in if you want to do something well and you will see that improvement over time and anyway i was saying to this guy in his chairlift one day much older how frustrated i was because i couldn't get out of that intermediate phase into that more advanced phase and he said to me just enjoy the process because once you become very good it becomes pretty boring there's nothing to look forward to and it was such a nice comment and something I really needed right in that moment. And so many times I've gone out in the mountain and I've always had to progress, you know, go and learn how to ski powder, go and learn how to ski bumps. And I mastered most of the mountain. And the last thing before I left um, 18 months ago, I was, you know, into skiing bumps. 
still can't say that I've mastered the, the bumps, but I was getting there. But it's just a really nice thing and a principle to go back to and a thought that sticks with me about what he said that day is that, you know, enjoying the journey is really the true part of um, mastering any skill. We want to just enjoy that process. And I think the beginning is really hard because you want to be that little bit better. But once you drop into that zone where you're comfortable enough and you're improving all the time, you can just enjoy. And for me, you know, going, being able to go and run for an hour now and just really enjoy running around Sydney and the sites in the morning and um, has been such a pleasure and something I really, really look forward to. But when I first started back running, you know, and you're running up a hill and you sort of, you're out of breath, I just, ah, this, I'm done with this, I can't stand it. And this is never going to be, you know, enjoyable again. So, yeah, I just wanted to chat a little bit about, you know, our egos and how we need to put our egos aside. And I was watching the High Rocks Vienna on the weekend. It was a qualifying for the World Championship for the elite runners. And I think two athletes had to pull out. And one of the athletes is someone that um, uh, I've been following quite closely. And I'm hoping to potentially interview him soon. We've been uh, touching base on Instagram. But he had been quite sick leading up to the event. And he was He's very much a data-driven person. He's been following his HRV and his heart rate, and he knows all his times and all his his numbers when he's running really well and when he's fit. And he was basically talking about his data leading up to the race, that it was really high. His heart rate was still about six beats per high per minute that he would normally like it to be. And unfortunately, yeah, he just um, couldn't get through that event. It was He blew up, his heart rate just skyrocketed, and obviously hadn't recovered from that particular virus. And, you know, I just watched... Uh, a clip the other day when he mentioned he's not sure now what to do, whether to push on and go to the next race or see how his body feels. And I also think that's a really difficult thing about self-coaching. Um, when I was self-coaching and coached other athletes, I could easily tell them when to stop, but I couldn't tell myself when to stop. And I would often, you know, run that one more, you know, I'd be a little bit sore at training or a bit of a niggle and a hamstring, and you're like, oh, I've got one more run in me, and you go and do that one more run. And then sure enough, you get an injury and you put yourself out for two or three weeks. And a couple of the guys I used to coach used to say to me all the time, what would you say to us? And I'm like, yeah, well, I would stop you straight away. So as a self-coached athlete and, you know, um, when our egos get in our way, it's really difficult to actually tell yourself when to stop. And I found myself in that position recently where I feel like I'm being consistently tired um, although I am recovering, and just to force myself to have that day off or to switch the run around is quite difficult. You know, you, you, you have your program in your hand and you want to follow, follow that program very closely, but sometimes you've just got to say, I just can't. Today is just enough. Um, I'm too tired and just, you know, have that extra day's rest or an extra 12 hours rest and, you know, live to fight another day, basically. So, yeah, it's been interesting just thinking about I'm watching a lot of these um, athletes um, and as I've mentioned before, I'm following the, the High Rocks along quite closely at the moment and I'm about to compete in another one in Australia this year um, and trying to get my running under control. But yeah, that's that zone training and for me just trying to build that base and thinking about it like a pyramid, you know, you've got to get that big base underneath you. It's like everything in life, once you've got that, you know, big base underneath you, building a house, if you've got really good foundations, everything's pretty easy. And same with the cardio, the high level of cardio. And looking at all the good high rocks runners, uh, high rocks athletes, they've actually all got a good running background. It seems to be becoming more and more prevalent 
that um, even though you need to be strong for a couple of the events and understand that obviously when you push and pull that sled, if you don't have some leg strength, it will just blow you up completely. You may not recover. Um, but if you've got that good cardio underneath you, you can bring your heart rate back down in between, you know, some of those events when you're maybe on the, the farmer's carry, the kettlebell carry or on the rower and some of these things you can actually just concentrate and bring your heart rate down. I think it's beneficial. So, yeah, just egos. We need to keep them in check. We need to rest when we need to rest. You know, it's important to rest. And and um, I think with the um, the data we have available to us today um, and to be able to look at your, you know, your resting heart rate overnight and your HRV, it's super important. Interesting enough, I think I've been able to drop my heart rate by about 10 beats per minute over the last 12 months. Um, had the lowest heart rate, my resting heart rate overnight last night was 44. Um, living up the mountains in Colorado and not really focusing that much on my sleep and going to bed quite late, you know, some nights had a resting heart rate of 60 overnight. But that's been, um, that's coming down quite substantially and the HRV. And HRV is something I've never really looked at, even when I was younger. It's not some data that was readily available, um, but it seems to be becoming more prevalent and the importance some people are placing on it seems to be, you know, extremely high. So I'm trying to actually follow that a little bit more closely now and look at that data as well. And that's definitely, in my situation, trending in the right direction. But um, yeah, quick, short and sweet. Again, if you, I would love to get some more followers on the podcast and, you know, if you do like my podcast, I'm trying to get some better interviews on here and keep consistent. Um, it'd be great if you could share it. And also I do have a newsletter if you're interested. It'll be a link in the description below, particularly on Spotify. I can actually put a link in there. So, yeah, and if you've got any questions or any topics you want Chris and I to discuss around track and running, um, Chris is obviously doesn't. Um, engage too much in the endurance stuff he'll have an opinion though he does on most things um, but just hit us up and we'll have a bit of a chat about it together and uh, we've both got a fair bit of experience in the in the track coaching sort of area so yeah anyway have a nice day and get after it